0: Hello, everyone, and once again, a very, very, very warm welcome back to our podcast. I am Rika, and this is a podcast of Promote Ukraine, called Ukraine Up to Date. And we bring out this podcast every week, most of the time on Monday. So we put together the most interesting, relevant, and important topics and events about Ukraine and talk a little bit about it. So as usual, in case you want to stay on top of things that are happening in and around Ukraine, don't worry, we keep you up to date. And without further ado, let's start with the week's Hot Topics, shall we? So, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Midr Kuleba, took part in an online meeting of the EU Foreign Affairs Council at the invitation of the EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell, and with the participation of the Ministers of Foreign Affairs of uh, the EU Member States. The minister informed the participants in detail about Russia's aggravation of uh, the security situation in the zone of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict and along Ukraine's state border and told his colleagues about a set of threats posed by Russia's current actions to Ukrainian and European security. So Kuleba proposed a step-by-step action plan on how to discourage Moscow from further escalation a key element of which is the development of a new package of sectoral sanctions that will be implemented immediately in the event of a new phase of Russian aggression. To quote the minister, We are grateful for the EU for all the steps it has taken since 2014 to raise the price for Russia for its aggression against Ukraine. At the same time, at the present stage, personal sanctions are no longer enough it is necessary to hold an internal discussion in the EU in order to develop a new package of sectoral sanctions, which will be immediately introduced in the event of a new stage of aggression by the Russian Federation. The EU and all member states assured that they remained united in their unwavering support for Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity, and that they are ready to further strengthen their support for Ukraine and exert consistent pressure on Russia. The European Union praised Ukraine's efforts to reach a political and diplomatic settlement based on the Minsk agreements and Kyiv's balanced and wise response to Russia's attempts to provoke an escalation. A separate topic was Russia's illegal actions in the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea and the militarization of the temporarily occupied Crimea, the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov. Kuleba discussed with his EU colleagues ways to respond to violations of international maritime law in the context of Russia's closure of the Kerch Strait and Russia's blockade of the Sea of Azov. The minister confirmed the invitation to all EU member states to take part in the inaugural summit and further work of the Crimean platform. The participants of the meeting paid special attention to further internal transformations in Ukraine aimed at bringing the country closer to EU membership. Kuleba noted the importance of giving Ukraine a clear prospect of EU membership. According to him, the aggressive policy of the Russian Federation against Ukraine will be finally overcome when Moscow realises that Ukraine is an integral part of the Western democratic world. The EU is not yet going to react to Russia's deployment of tens of thousands of troops near the border with Ukraine. The EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell, has said that EU foreign ministers found the Russian military mobilization very concerning, but they are not considering the possibility of imposing new sanctions against the Kremlin, as uh, the online newspaper Politico reports. So according to the report, EU countries are not even planning to follow the Czech Republic in expelling Russian diplomats for a 2014 explosion at a weapons depot that Prague has concluded was the work of Russian special services. To quote Borrell, let's hope that this deployment will stop. And he also noted that leaders like German Chancellor Angela Merkel and US President Joe Biden had called on the Kremlin to stand down. The German Foreign Minister Heiko Maas echoed the point telling reporters, to quote again, Moscow should switch from provocation to cooperation. We believe that the conflict can still be resolved by diplomatic means. Politico notes that so far the German and French-led Normandy format of peace negotiations has failed to yield any breakthrough in the now more than seven-year-long conflict between Russia and Ukraine the journalists also reminded that eu countries and other allies had acted in concert to expel dozens of russian diplomats in solidarity with the uk over the 2018 poisoning in salisbury england of Sergei skripal a former russian intelligence officer this time however borrell said this would not happen because there has not been such a request nor has there been a move on the field on more sanctions to russia and to quote the article again, the EU's expressions of concern and its overall interaction highlight the predicament Brussels faces with regard to Russian military aggression, with member countries acknowledging that virtually nothing will be done unless President Vladimir Putin orders an invasion. So, and even then, it is not clear how far EU and NATO countries will be willing to go to defend Ukraine. And the Lithuanian foreign minister, Gabriel Landbergis said, My call to the EU is that we shouldn't be afraid to discuss about what happens if Russia crosses the red line, or at least once again crosses the red line. Landbergis, uh, in an interview with Politico, offered a broader red line interpretation that includes situations where Moscow is simply refusing to de-escalate the situation. In addition, he urged a renewed discussion of additional sanctions, including sectoral sanctions, that would target swathes of the Russian economy rather than individuals, which has been the EU's approach of late. Moreover, during his news conference, Borrell said that 150,000 Russian troops had massed on the borders of Ukraine and in Crimea, a far higher number than Ukraine or other countries have alleged during the buildup of recent weeks. His office later clarified that the number was actually around 100,000 and that Borel had misspoke. Meanwhile, Borel commented Ukraine for its restrained response and repeated the EU's traditional denunciation of Russia's 2014 invasion and annexation of Crimea. He called on the Kremlin to implement the Minsk agreements in order to restore peace in eastern Ukraine. An information campaign called Learn Check Act, launched by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, is aimed at counteracting Russia's attempts to legitimize its presence in the occupied territories of Ukraine through business, education, culture, and people-to-people contacts. So Alexei Makyev, the Foreign Ministry uh, Special Envoy for Sanctions, said, to quote, The goal of the campaign is to convey to our European neighbors information about the importance of sanctions and to put an end to Russia's attempts to use European politicians, businessmen or artists to legitimize their crimes in the occupied territories of Ukraine. The campaign calls on EU citizens to take three simple steps to protect themselves from the risk of being sanctioned. So number one, learn about restrictions imposed on Russia by the EU and Ukraine. Number two, Check information to avoid unexpected problems that may arise in business dealings with Russia. And number three, act proactively to safeguard against further aggressive actions which may be committed by Russia against Ukraine and other European countries. EU sanctions were imposed on the Russian Federation after its occupation of Crimea and parts of Ukraine's Donetsk and Luhansk regions in 2014. Instead of adhering to the international rules-based system, the Russian Federation began to look for ways to circumvent sanctions and legitimize its presence in the temporarily occupied territories of Ukraine. To this end, Russia uses economic, cultural and bilateral contacts. It is also investing heavily in misleading the European public and business community by attempting to involve them in illegal deals in occupied Crimea. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine invites international organizations, business associations and foreign media outlets to support the campaign. The partners of the project and the mission of the President of Ukraine in the Autonomous Republic of Crimea, the Media Initiative for Human Rights and the Ukrainian Helsinki Human Rights Union. Counterintelligence officers of the Security Service of Ukraine, or in short, the SBU, have exposed a member of the Tank Battalion of the Donetsk People's Republic, the DPR, terrorist organization, in the Joint Forces Operations area. He planned to secretly visit relatives in the territory controlled by the Ukrainian government. According to the report, a resident of Liman served in a tank battalion in the occupied village of Michurinem. The SBU officers established the identity of the militant while he was trying to enter Ukraine from the territory of the Russian Federation. Now he's cooperating with the investigation. He provided important testimony about the specific circumstances in the Russian armed aggression and Russia's military support for the DPR militants. In particular, the man told the SBU about the participation of Russian regular military in coordinating the actions of mercenaries, delivery tanks, and other military equipment from the Russian Federation. He also surrendered his passports issued by the DPR and the Russian Federation. The SBU officer served the militant with a notice of charges under part one of article 258.3, which is the creation of a terrorist group or terrorist organization of the criminal code of Ukraine. The materials are being prepared for submission to the court. And there is also a video on that. And I will, of course, uh, copy the link for you in the description box. The International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, or the IBRD, will provide Ukraine with 2.5 billion hryvnia for the COVID-19 vaccination campaign. Um, Yeah, this is what the Deputy Minister of Health of Ukraine, Svetlana Shatalova says. Uh, To quote her, the Cabinet of Ministers of Ukraine approved the loan agreement proposed by the Ministry of Health as part of the project called Emergency Response to COVID-19 and Vaccination in Ukraine. Uh, she informed that the document provides, in particular, funds totaling 840 million for the purchase of a vaccine against coronavirus. In addition, the agreement provides for its transportation to Ukraine, purchase of equipment and training on waste disposal. Moreover, additional equipment will be purchased to provide a cold chain for storing vaccines, which will replace refrigerators and vaccination points, and equipment for sequencing of virus strains. About 900 million will be transferred to the general fund of the state budget. And now to my personal favorite topic of the week. Well, Ukraine sets uh, the world record for planting trees in one day. The organizers of the Greening of the Planet Global Environmental Project announced the results of the so-called 1 million trees in one day in 100 countries of the world campaign, which took place on the 10th of April. The event was attended by 110 countries with over 2 million participants um, and more than 70 diplomatic missions of Ukraine have taken part or plan to join the initiative and a total of over 500. Oh no, sorry 5, million, sorry, 5 million trees were planted, of which over 4 million in Ukraine. And Ukraine, Canada, Britain, Turkey, Moldova, Poland, Indonesia, Tunisia, Montenegro, Kuwait and Singapore are among the leading countries that brought together the largest number of people and organized the largest number of planted trees. It is symbolic that trees all over the world were planted on Earth Day. The purpose of this day is to draw attention to environmental problems and encourage people to protect the environment. The main items of this year's Earth Day are biodiversity restoration, climate change and the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. Ukraine welcomes the withdrawal of Russian troops from its border and is grateful to international partners for their support. President Volodymyr Zelensky posted on his Twitter account, responding to an order of the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation. To quote the report, the reduction of troops on our border proportionally reduces tension. Ukraine is always vigilant, yet welcomes any steps to decrease the military presence and de-escalate the situation in Donbas. Ukraine seeks peace. Grateful to international partners for their support. Meanwhile, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine noted that they are monitoring the situation. In addition, according to spokesman for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Oleg Nikolenko, Russia's statements about the alleged proclamation of a general mobilization in Ukraine are misinformation. To quote the diplomat, uh, the only country in the world that accuses Ukraine of aggressive militaristic plans is the Russian Federation. Against the background of Russia's escalating security situation, our state has received unprecedented international support. Foreign partners praised the wise and balanced position of the Ukrainian leadership. From the very beginning, the Ukrainian side has clearly stated that it will not succumb to Russian provocations and will remain committed to a political and diplomatic settlement of the armed conflict with Russia. The statements by representatives of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Russian Federation about the announcement of a general mobilization in Ukraine are another example of misinformation. And as a quick reminder, on Thursday, the 22nd of April, Minister of Defense of Russia, Sergei Shoigu, ordered commanders from 23rd of April to begin with a withdrawal of troops, which have recently moved Ukraine borders and occupied Crimea. Although Kiev finally renounced its nuclear status in the early 1990s, the topic of reviving and well, actually, creating from scratch its own missile shield periodically pops up in the Ukrainian political space. The latest such statement was made by Ambassador of Ukraine to Germany, Andriy Melnyk. So, in a recent interview with the German radio station Deutschlandfunk, he said, and I quote: "Ukraine has no choice. Either we are part of an alliance like NATO and contributing to making this Europe stronger and more confident, or we have only one alternative left." to arm ourselves and perhaps rethink nuclear status. Melnick's statement was actively circulated by Ukrainian and Russian media outlets and the attention of Western media and politicians to the diplomats' words was noticeably less. The other day, the German newspaper Die Welt published an article entitled Nuclear Weapons in Ukraine. The idea is not so funny, which says that Ukraine does have everything necessary to create weapons of mass destruction. However, the same article quotes Harvard experts, uh, Maria Budgerin as saying, and I quote again, while developing a nuclear program, Ukraine would have to deal with Russian sabotage or attacks by security services or even open military operations. The very wording, so Ukraine is embarking on the development of nuclear weapons, so we are trying to calm them down can be a serious reason for Russian aggression, and there is an analogy with the invasion of the British American coalition in Iraq. Right wing parties such as Svoboda and the National Corps have consistently spoken about Ukraine's return to nuclear status. The representative of the National Democratic Movement, former Prime Minister Yuri Yekhanurov, occasionally expresses the same ideas. He first mentioned this in 2008 when it came to giving Ukraine a NATO membership action plan, then voiced this message after the Russian aggression in Crimea and Donbas. The political argument in favor of returning to the nuclear club is quite simple. Ukraine's security was to be guaranteed by the Budapest Memorandum, and if its signatories fail to fulfill their obligations, then Ukraine will deny its obligations namely a nuclear weapon-free zone. The technical and military rationale does not seem fantastic either. They are raw materials. Ukraine now has 2% of world uranium production and considerable proven reserves of 270,000 tons. There is scientific and production potential, a significant part of the components of the Soviet uh, nuclear arsenal, including high-tech ones, such as control and aiming systems, was developed at Kharkiv and Dnipropetrovsk Enterprises and research institutes. It is also possible to train personnel and deploy relevant units. There are many retired officers in Ukraine who served in the strategic missile forces, and there was a military school that trained missile officers in Kharkiv. The most problematic resource, however, is time and money. In the early to mid-90s, former Minister of Environmental Protection and Nuclear Safety Yuri Kostenko estimated the cost of Ukraine's nuclear program at 50 to $100 billion. In uh, the short term, Ukraine will not accumulate such significant funds on its own. There are precedents in the world where a nuclear program has been deployed with the help of partner countries. So, for example, this is how Saudi Arabia-8 once helped Pakistan get its missile shield. In the case of Ukraine, such an option is unlikely. Therefore, mentions of nuclear status are still part of diplomatic rhetoric. They say NATO membership will cost less than the emergence of another nuclear weapon state on the map. Norbert Röttgen, a member of the Christian Democratic Union, the CDU, a presidium and chairman of the German Bundestag's foreign affairs committee, has supported the idea of providing Ukraine with lethal weapons. Um, yeah, this is what the ambassador of Ukraine to Germany, Andrei Milnik, posted on his Twitter page. According to him, Mr. Röttgen became the first influential German politician who officially supported such an idea. On Saturday, the 24th of April, Germany's authoritative newspaper, Frankfurter Allgemeine, reported that Kiev had asked Berlin to give it used German corvettes. However, newspaper sources claim that Minister of Foreign Affairs of Germany, Heiko Maas, opposed this. Meanwhile, Minister of Defense of the Kingdom of Sweden, Peter Hultqvist, said on the air of SVT TV channel that Russia's announced withdrawal of troops from the Ukrainian border and their return to a permanent deployment basis is a smokescreen. He added that the Russian government could increase and decrease tensions in the region depending on its interests. Houtkvist also accused Moscow of escalating the conflict in eastern Ukraine and creating an extremely tense situation. At the same time, Minister of National Defense of Poland, Mariusz Balczak, said on the air of Polish Radio 24 that President of Russia, Vladimir Putin's policy is aimed at restoring the Russian Empire. According to Braschak, uh, developments of the Russian-Ukrainian border have caused concern in Poland. He recalls the words of the late President Lech Kaczynski, First it comes to Georgia, then Ukraine, then the Baltic States, and then possibly Poland. According to him, this is why Poland is now modernizing its army and increasing its number. Against the background of Russia's recent military buildup along Ukraine's border, the European Union needs to use its strengths and avoid sanctions against Russia, which today do not yield to the desired results or have a counterproductive effect. Well, this was said in an article by Michael Emerson, an associate research fellow at the Center for European Policy Studies, the CEPS. According to the expert, the European Union should be active in three main areas where there are powerful opportunities. So first we have the support for Ukraine's European integration. Well, Ukraine's membership in NATO and the EU is out of reach, but against the background of Russia's aggression, the European Union can expand cooperation within the framework of Ukraine's association agreement and deep and comprehensive free trade area. Steps in this direction would help Ukraine gradually move closer to integration, improving the fight against corruption and ensuring the rule of law. At the same time, such a position allows avoiding the risks of premature EU enlargement. Then uh, there's also vaccines for Ukraine. One of the priorities for supporting Ukraine should be the arrangement of sufficient vaccine supplies to stop the pandemic and help the Ukrainian economy to recover fast. Ukraine has been able to secure only small supplies of vaccines, rejecting recourse to Russia's Sputnik V. Part of the reason for the very limited supplies reaching Ukraine is that the EU has been procuring massive supplies of vaccines in access of its own needs. With the United States and the United Kingdom doing the same, this puts supply capacities uh, out of reach for more weakly placed buyers. Given its huge contracted orders, the EU could now pledge to supply 100 million doses, so for example under 2% of its total, to its close European neighbors in the western Balkans and eastern partnership states. Ukraine could expect to receive almost half of this total, permitting effective vaccination of around half of its population. And then... um, Talking about the energy front, while with a serious effort of uh, diversification, the EU could do without Russian gas, which would damage Russia's finances. In particular, it is possible to create a European supplementary strategic gas reserve, um, develop new discoveries in the Eastern Mediterranean, as well as increase LNG supply chain capacities in addition against the background of russia's latest aggressive actions eu institutions and other member states should urge germany to finally stop the Nord stream 2 project and that was already it with this week's podcast as usual make sure to share your thoughts with us we would be very happy to hear your feedback so that we can keep improving this podcast for you and if you want to have more information on Ukraine-EU-Russia relations and read other articles, you can, of course, always visit PromoteUkraine.org. And also, if you haven't done so yet, follow us on our social media. Uh, you can find us everywhere under the name Promote Ukraine. But for now, I wish you a wonderful start into the week, and I'll see you very soon with some fresh and new information.